chapter five of smoked blue by jack london this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five the man on the other bank it was before smoke Ballou staked the farcical town side of tralee made the historic corner of eggs that nearly broke swiftwater bill's bank account or won the dog team race down the yukon for an even million dollars that he and shorty parted company on the upper klondike shorty's task was to return down the klondike to dawson to record some claims they had staked smoke with the dog team turned south his quest was surprise lake and the mythical two cabins his traverse was to cut the headwaters of the indian river and cross the unknown region over the mountains to the stewart river here somewhere rumor persisted was surprise lake surrounded by jagged mountains and glaciers its bottom paved with raw gold old-timers it was said whose very names were forgotten in the frosts of earlier years had dived into the icy waters of surprise lake and fetched plump gold to the surface in both hands at different times parties of old-timers had penetrated the forbidding fastness and sampled the lake's golden bottom but the water was too cold some died in the water being pulled up dead others died later of consumption and one who had gone down never did come up all survivors had planned to return and drain the lake yet none had ever gone back disaster always smote them one man fell into an air-hole below forty mile another was killed and eaten by his dogs a third was crushed by a falling tree and so the tale ran surprise lake was a hoodoo its location was unremembered and the gold still paved its undrained bottom two cabins no less mythical was more definitely located five sleeps up the mcquestion river from the stewart stood two ancient cabins so ancient were they that they must have been built before ever the first known gold hunter had entered the yukon basin wandering moose hunters whom even smoke had met and talked with claimed to have found the two cabins in the old days but to have sought vainly for the mine which those early adventurers must have worked i wish you was going with me shorty said wistfully at parting just because you got the indian bug ain't no reason for to go pokin into trouble they's no gettin away from it that's loco country you're bound for the hoodoo's sure on it from the first slip to the last call judgin from all you and me has hearn tell about it it's all right shorty replied smoke i'll make the round trip and be back in dawson in six weeks the yukon trail is packed and the first hundred miles or so of the stewart ought to be packed old-timers from henderson have told me a number of outfits went up last fall after the freeze up when i strike their trail i ought to hit her up forty or fifty miles a day i'm likely to be back inside a month once i get across yep once you get across but it's the gettin across that worries me well so long smoke keep your eyes open for that hoodoo that's all and don't be ashamed to turn back if you don't kill any meat a week later smoke found himself among the jumbled ranges south of indian river on the divide from the klondike he had abandoned the sled and packed his wolf dogs the six big huskies each carried fifty pounds and on his own back was an equal burden through the soft snow he led the way packing it down under his snowshoes 
and behind in single file toiled the dogs he loved the life the deep arctic winter the silent wilderness the unending snow surface unpressed by the foot of any man about him towered icy peaks unnamed and uncharted no hunter's camp smoke rising in the still air of the valleys ever caught his eye he alone moved through the brooding quiet of the untravelled wastes nor was he oppressed by the solitude he loved it all the day's toil the bickering wolf-dogs the making of the camp in the long twilight the leaping stars overhead and the flaming pageant of the aurora borealis especially he loved his camp at the end of the day and in it he saw a picture which he ever yearned to paint and which he knew he would never forget a beaten place in the snow where burned his fire his bed a couple of rabbit-skin robes spread on fresh chopped spruce boughs his shelter a stretched strip of canvas that caught and threw back the heat of the fire the blackened coffee-pot and pail resting on a length of log the moccasins propped on sticks to dry the snowshoes upended in the snow and across the fire the wolf-dog snuggling to it for the warmth wistful and eager furry and frost-rhymed with bushy tails curled protectingly over their feet and all about pressed backward but a space the wall of encircling darkness at such times san francisco the billow and o'hara seemed very far away lost in a remote past shadows of dreams that had never happened he found it hard to believe that he had known any other life than this of the wild and harder still was it for him to reconcile himself to the fact that he had once dabbled and dawdled in the bohemian drift of city life alone with no one to talk to he thought much and deeply and simply he was appalled by the wastage of his city years by the cheapness now of the philosophies of the schools and books of the clever cynicism of the studio and editorial room of the cant of the business men in their clubs they knew neither food nor sleep nor health nor could they ever possibly know the sting of real appetite the goodly ache of fatigue nor the rush of mad strong blood that bit like wine through all one's body as work was done and all the time this fine wise spartan northland had been here and he had never known what puzzled him was that with such intrinsic fitness he had never heard the slightest calling whisper had not himself gone forth to seek but this too he solved in time look here yellow face i've got it clear the dog addressed lifted first one forefoot and then the other with quick appeasing movements curled his bush of a tail about them again and laughed across the fire herbert spencer was nearly forty before he caught the vision of his greatest efficiency and desire i'm none so slow i didn't have to wait till i was thirty to catch mine right here is my efficiency and desire almost yellow face do i wish i had been born a wolf-boy and been brother all my days to you and yours for days he wandered through a chaos of canyons and divides which did not yield themselves to any rational topographical plan it was as if they had been flung there by some cosmic joker in vain he sought for a creek or feeder that flowed truly south toward the mcquestion and the stewart then came a mountain storm that blew a blizzard across the riff-raff of high and shallow divides above timberline fireless for two days he struggled blindly to find lower levels on the second day he came out upon the rim of an enormous palisade so thickly drove the snow that he could not see the base of the wall nor did he attempt the descent he rolled himself in his robes and huddled the dogs about him in the depths of a snowdrift but did not permit himself to sleep in the morning the storm spent 
he crawled out to investigate a quarter of a mile beneath him beyond all mistake lay a frozen snow-covered lake about it on every side rose jagged peaks it answered the description blindly he had found surprise lake well named he muttered an hour later as he came out upon its margin a clump of aged spruce was the only woods on his way to it he stumbled upon three graves snow buried but marked by hand-hewn head-posts and undecipherable writing on the edge of the woods was a small ramshackle cabin he pulled the latch and entered in a corner on what had once been a bed of spruce boughs still wrapped in mangy furs that had rotted to fragments lay a skeleton the last visitor to surprise lake was smoke's conclusion as he picked up a lump of gold as large as his doubled fist beside the lump was a pepper-can filled with nuggets of the size of walnuts rough surface showing no signs of wash so true had the tale run that smoke accepted without question that the source of the gold was the lake's bottom under many feet of ice and inaccessible there was nothing to be done and at midday from the rim of the palisade he took a farewell look back and down at his find it's all right mr lake he said you just keep right on staying there i'm coming back to drain you if that hoodoo doesn't catch me i don't know how i got here but i'll know by the way i go out in a little valley beside a frozen stream and under beneficent spruce trees he built a fire four days later somewhere in that white anarchy he had left behind him was surprise lake somewhere he knew not where for a hundred hours of driftage and struggle through blinding driving snow had concealed his course from him and he knew not in what direction lay behind it was as if he had just emerged from a nightmare he was not sure whether four days or a week had passed he had slept with the dogs fought across a forgotten number of shallow divides followed the windings of weird canyons that ended in pockets and twice had managed to make a fire and thaw out frozen moose-meat and here he was well fed and well camped the storm had passed and it had turned clear and cold the lay of the land had again become rational the creek he was on was natural in appearance and tended as it should toward the southwest but surprise lake was as lost to him as it had been to all its seekers in the past half a day's journey down the creek brought him to the valley of a larger stream which he decided was the mcquestion here he shot a moose and once again each wolf-dog carried a full fifty-pound pack of meat as he turned down the mcquestion he came upon a sled trail the late snows had drifted over but underneath it was well packed by travel his conclusion was that two camps had been established on the mcquestion and that this was the connecting trail evidently two cabins had been found and it was the lower camp so he headed down the stream it was forty below zero when he camped that night and he fell asleep wondering who were the men who rediscovered the two cabins and if he would fetch it next day at the first hint of dawn he was under way easily following the half obliterated trail and packing the recent snow with his webbed shoes so that the dogs should not wallow and then it came the unexpected leaping out upon him on a bend of the river it seemed to him that he heard and felt simultaneously the crack of the rifle came from the right and the bullet tearing through and across the shoulders of his drill parka and woolen coat pivoted him half around with the shock of its impact he staggered on his twisted snowshoes to recover balance and heard a second crack of the rifle this time it was a clean miss he did not wait for more but plunged across the snow for the sheltering trees of the bank a hundred feet away 
again and again the rifle cracked and he was unpleasantly aware of a trickle of warm moisture down his back he climbed the bank the dogs floundering behind and dodged in among the trees and brush slipping out of his snowshoes he wallowed forward at full length and peered cautiously out nothing was to be seen whoever had shot at him was lying quiet among the trees of the opposite bank if something doesn't happen pretty soon he muttered at the end of half an hour i'll have to sneak away and build a fire or freeze my feet yellow face what would you do lying in the frost with circulation getting slack and a man trying to plug you he crawled back a few yards packed down the snow danced a jig that sent the blood back into his feet and managed to endure another half hour then from down the river he heard the unmistakable jingle of dog bells peering out he saw a sled round the bend only one man was with it straining out the gee-pole and urging the dogs along the effect on smoke was one of shock for it was the first human he had seen since he had parted from shorty three weeks before his next thought was of the potential murderer concealed on the opposite bank without exposing himself smoke whistled warningly the man did not hear and came on rapidly again and more sharply smoke whistled the man woed his dog stopped and had turned and faced smoke when the rifle cracked the instant afterwards smoke fired into the wood in the direction of the sound the man in the river had been struck by the first shot the shock of the high velocity bullet staggered him he stumbled awkwardly to the sled half falling and pulled a rifle out from under the lashings as he strove to raise it to his shoulder he crumpled at the waist and sank down slowly to a sitting posture on the sled then abruptly as the gun went off aimlessly he pitched backward and across a corner of the sled load so that smoke could see only his legs and stomach from below came more jingling bells the man did not move around the bend swung three sleds accompanied by half a dozen men smoke cried warningly but they had seen the condition of the first sled and they dashed on to it no shots came from the other bank and smoke calling his dogs to follow emerged into the open there were exclamations from the men and two of them flinging off the mittens of their right hands levelled their rifles at him come on you red-handed murderer you one of them a black-bearded man commanded and just pitched that gun o' yourn in the snow smoke hesitated then dropped his rifle and came up to them go through him lewis and take his weapons the black-bearded man ordered lewis was a french canadian voyageur smoke decided as were four of the others his search revealed only smoke's hunting knife which was appropriated now what have you got to say for yourself stranger before i shoot you dead the black-bearded man demanded that you're making a mistake if you think i kill that man smoke answered a cry came from one of the voyageurs he had quested along the trail and found smoke's tracks where he had left it to take refuge on the bank the man explained the nature of his find what did you kill joe canade for he of the black-beard asked i tell you i didn't smoke began ah what's the good of talking we got you red-handed right up there's where you left the trail when you heard him coming you laid among the trees and bushwhacked him a short shot you could not missed pierre go and get that gun he dropped you might let me tell what happened smoke objected you shut up the man snarled at him i reckon your gun'll tell the story all the men examined smoke's rifle ejecting and counting the cartridges and examining the barrel at muzzle and breech one shot blackbeard concluded pierre with nostrils that quivered and distended like a deer's sniffed at the breech him one fresh shot he said the bullet entered his back smoke said he was facing me when he was shot you see it came from the other bank blackbeard considered this proposition for a scant second and shook his head 
nope it won't do turn him around to face the other bank that's how you whopped him in the back some of you boys run up and down the trail and see if you can see any tracks making for the other bank their report was that on that side the snow was unbroken not even a snowshoe rabbit had crossed it blackbeard bending over the dead man straightened up with a woolly furry wad in his hand shredding this he found embedded in the centre the bullet which had perforated the body its nose was spread to the size of a half dollar its butt end steel jacketed was undamaged he compared it with a cartridge from smoke's belt that's plain enough evidence stranger to satisfy a blind man it's soft-nosed and steel jacketed urine is soft-nosed and steel jacketed it's thirty thirty urine is thirty thirty it's manufactured by the j and t arms company urine is manufactured by the j and t arms company now you come along and we'll go over to the bank and see just how you done it i was bushwhacked myself smoke said look at the hole in my parka while blackbeard examined it one of the voyageurs threw open the breech of the dead man's gun it was patent to all that it had been fired once the empty cartridge was still in the chamber a damn shame poor joe didn't get you blackbeard said bitterly but he did pretty well with a hole like that in him come on you search the other bank first smoke urged you shut up and come on and let the facts do the talking they left the trail at the same spot he had and followed it on up the bank and then in among the trees him dance that place keep him feet warm lewis pointed out that place him crawl on belly that place him put one elbow win him shot and by god there's the empty cartridge he done it with was blackbeard's discovery boys there's only one thing to do you might ask me how i came to fire that shot smoke interrupted and i might knock your teeth into your gullet if you butt in again you can answer them questions later on now boys we're decent in law abidin and we got to handle this right and regular how far do you reckon we've come pierre twenty mile i tink for sure all right we'll cash the outfit and run him and poor joe back to two cabins i reckon we've seen and can testify to what'll stretch his neck it was three hours after dark when the dead man smoke and his captors arrived at two cabins by the starlight smoke could make out a dozen or more recently built cabins snuggling about a larger and older cabin on a flat by the river bank thrust inside this older cabin he found it tenanted by a young giant of a man his wife and an old blind man the woman whom her husband called lucy was herself a strapping creature of the frontier type the old man as smoke learned afterwards had been a trapper on the stuart for years and had gone finally blind the winter before the camp of two cabins he was also to learn had been made the previous fall by a dozen men who arrived in half as many poling boats loaded with provisions here they had found the blind trapper on the site of two cabins and about his cabin they had built their own later arrivals mushing up the ice with dog teams had tripled the population there was plenty of meat in camp and good low-paid dirt had been discovered and was being worked in five minutes all the men of two cabins were jammed into the room smoke shoved off into a corner ignored and scowled at his hands and feet tied with thongs of moosehide looked on thirty-eight men he counted a wild and husky crew all frontiersmen of the states or voyageurs from upper canada his captors told the tale over and over each the centre of an excited and wrathful group there were mutterings of lynch him now why wait and once a big irishman was restrained only by force from rushing upon the helpless prisoner and giving him a beating it was while counting the men that smoke caught sight of a familiar face it was breck the man whose boat smoke had run through the rapids he wondered why the other did not come and speak to him but himself 
gave no sign of recognition later when with shielded face breck passed him a significant wink smoke understood blackbeard whom smoke heard called eli harding ended the discussion as to whether or not the prisoner should be immediately lynched hold on harding roared keep your shirts on that man belongs to me i caught him and i brought him here do you think i brought him all the way here to be lynched not on your life i could have done that myself when i found him i brought him here for a fair and impartial trial and by god a fair and impartial trial he's going to get he's tied up safe and sound chuck him in a bunk till morning and we'll hold the trial right here smoke woke up a draught that possessed all the rigidity of an icicle was boring into the front of his shoulders as he lay on his side facing the wall when he had been tied into the bunk there had been no such draught and now the outside air driving into the heated atmosphere of the cabin with the pressure of fifty below zero with sufficient advertisement that some one from without had pulled away the moss chinking between the logs he squirmed as far as his bonds would permit then craned his neck forward until his lips just managed to reach the crack who is it he whispered breck came the almost inaudible answer be careful you don't make a noise i'm going to pass a knife in to you no good smoke said i couldn't use it my hands are tied behind me and made fast to the leg of the bunk besides you couldn't get a knife through that crack but something must be done those fellows are of a temper to hang me and of course you know i didn't kill that man it wasn't necessary to mention it smoke and if you did you had your reasons which isn't the point at all i want to get you out of this it's a tough bunch of men here you've seen them they're shut off from the world and they make and enforce their own law by miners meeting you know they handle two men already both grub thieves one they hiked from camp without an ounce of grub and no matches he made about forty miles and lasted a couple of days before he froze stiff two weeks ago they hiked the second man they gave him his choice no grub or ten lashes for each day's ration he stood for forty lashes before he fainted and now they've got you and every last one is convinced you killed kinade the man who killed kinade shot at me too his bullet broke the skin on my shoulder get them to delay the trial till someone goes up and searches the bank where the murderer hid no use they take the evidence of harding and the five frenchmen with him besides they haven't had a hanging yet and they're keen for it you see things have been pretty monotonous they haven't located anything big and they've got tired of hunting for surprise lake they did some stampeding the first part of the winter but they've got over that now scurvy is beginning to show up amongst them too and they're just ripe for excitement and it looks like i'll furnish it with smoke's comment say breck how did you ever fall in with such a godforsaken bunch after i got the claims at squaw creek opened up and some men to working i came up here by way of the stewart hunting for two cabins they'd beaten me to it so i've been higher up the stewart just got back yesterday out of grub find anything nothing much but i think i've got a hydraulic proposition that'll work big when the country's opened up it's that or a gold dredger hold on smoke interrupted wait a minute let me think he was very much aware of the snores of the sleepers as he pursued the idea that had flashed into his mind say breck have they opened up the meat packs my dogs carried he asked a couple i was watching they put them in harding's cache did they find anything meat good you've got to get into the brown canvas pack that's patched with moose hide you'll find a few pounds of lumpy gold you've never seen gold like it in the country nor has anybody else here's what you've got to do listen a quarter of an hour later 
fully instructed and complaining that his toes were freezing breck went away smoke his own nose and one cheek frosted by proximity to the chink rubbed them against the blankets for half an hour before the blaze and bite of the returning blood assured him of the safety of his flesh my mind's made up right now there ain't no doubt but what he killed canaid we heard the whole thing last night what's the good of going over it again i vote guilty in such fashion smoke's trial began the speaker a loose-jointed hard-rock man from colorado manifested irritation and disgust when harding set his suggestion aside demanded the proceedings should be regular and nominated one shunk wilson for judge and chairman of the meeting the population of two cabins constituted the jury though after some discussion the woman lucy was denied the right to vote on smoke's guilt or innocence while this was going on smoke jammed into a corner on a bunk overheard a whispered conversation between breck and a miner you haven't fifty pounds of flour you'll sell breck queried you ain't got the dust to pay the price i'm asking was the reply i'll give you two hundred the man shook his head three hundred three fifty at four hundred the man nodded and said come on over to my cabin and weigh out the dust the two squeezed their way to the door and slipped out after a few minutes breck returned alone harding was testifying when smoke saw the door shoved open slightly and in the crack appeared the face of the man who had sold the flower he was grimacing and beckoning emphatically to someone inside who arose from near the stove and started to work toward the door where are you going sam shunk wilson demanded i'll be back in a jiffy sam explained i just gotta go smoke was permitted to question the witnesses and he was in the middle of the cross-examination of harding when from without came the whining of dogs in harness and the grind of and churn of sled-runners somebody near the door peeped out it's sam and his partner and a dog-team hell-bent down the trail for stuart river the man reported nobody spoke for a long half-minute but men glanced significantly at one another and a general restlessness pervaded the packed room out of the corner of his eyes smoke caught a glimpse of breck lucy and her husband whispering together come on you shunk wilson said gruffly to smoke cut this question in short we know what you're trying to prove that the other bank weren't searched the witness admits it we admitted it wa'n't necessary no tracks led to that bank the snow wa'n't broke there was a man on the other bank just the same smoke insisted that's too thin for skating young man there ain't many of us on the question and we got every man accounted for who was the man you hiked out of camp two weeks ago smoke asked alonzo miramar he was a mexican what's the grub thief got to do with it nothing except that you haven't accounted for him mr judge he went down the river not up how do you know where he went saw him start and that's all you know of what became of him no it ain't young man i know we all know he had four days grub and no gun to shoot meat with if he didn't make the settlement on the yukon he'd croaked long before this i suppose you've got all the guns in this part of the country accounted for too smoke observed pointedly shunk wilson was angry you think i was the prisoner the way you slam questions into me now then come on with the next witness where's french lewis while french lewis was shoving forward lucy opened the door where you goin shunk wilson shouted i reckon i don't have to stay she answered defiantly i ain't got no vote and besides my cabin's so jammed up i can't breathe in a few minutes her husband followed the closing of the door was the first warning the judge received of it who was that he interrupted pierre's narrative to ask bill peabody somebody spoke up said he wanted to ask his wife something and was coming right back instead of bill it was lucy who re-entered took off her furs and resumed her place by the stove 
i reckon we don't need to hear the rest of the witnesses was shunk wilson's decision when pierre had finished we already know they only can testify to the same facts we've already heard say sorensen you go and bring bill peabody back we'll be votin a verdict pretty short now stranger you can get up and say your say concernin what happened in the meantime we'll just be savin delay by passin around the two rifles the ammunition and the bullet that done the killin midway in his story of how he had arrived in that part of the country and at the point in his narrative where he described his own ambush and how he had fled to the bank smoke was interrupted by the indignant shunk wilson young man what sense is there in you testifying that way you're just taking up valuable time of course you got the right to lie to save your neck but we ain't goin to stand for such foolishness the rifle the ammunition and the bullet that killed joe kincaid is against you what's that open the door somebody the frost rushed in taking form and substance in the heat of the room while through the open door came the whining of dogs that decreased rapidly with distance it's sorensen and peabody someone cried a throwin the whip into the dogs and headin down river now what the hell shunk wilson paused with dropped jaw and glared at lucy i reckon you can explain mrs peabody she tossed her head and compressed her lips and shunk wilson's wrathful and suspicious gaze passed on and rested on breck and i reckon that newcomer you've been chinning with could explain if he had a mind to breck now very uncomfortable found all eyes centred on him sam was chewing the rag with him too before he hit out someone said look here mr breck shunk wilson continued you've been interrupting proceedings and you got to explain the meanin of it what was you chinnin about breck cleared his throat timidly and replied i was just trying to buy some grub with what dust of course where'd you get it breck did not answer he's been snoopin around up the steward a man volunteered i run across his camp a week ago when i was huntin and i want to tell you he was mighty secretious about it the dust didn't come from there breck said that's only a low-grade hydraulic proposition bring your poke here and let's see your dust wilson commanded i tell you it didn't come from there let's see it just the same breck made as if to refuse but all about him were menacing faces reluctantly he fumbled in his coat pocket in the act of drawing forth a pepper-can it rattled against what was evidently a hard object fetch it all out shunk wilson thundered and out came the big nugget fist-sized yellow as no gold any onlooker had ever seen shunk wilson gasped half a dozen catching one glimpse made a break for the door they reached it at the same moment and with cursing and scuffling jammed and pivoted through the judge emptied the contents of the pepper-can on the table and the sight of the rough lump gold sent half a dozen more toward the door where are you going eli harding asked as shunk started to follow for my dogs of course ain't you going to hang him it'd take too much time right now he'll keep till we get back so i reckon this court is adjourned this ain't no place for lingering harding hesitated he glanced savagely at smoke saw pierre beckoning to lewis from the doorway took one last look at the lump gold on the table and decided no use you trying to get away he flung back over his shoulder besides i'm going to borrow your dogs what is it another one of them blamed stampedes the old blind trapper asked in a queer and petulant falsetto as the cries of men and dogs and the grind of the sleds swept the silence of the room it sure is lucy answered and i never seen gold like it feel that old man she put the big nugget in his hand he was but slightly interested it was a good fur country he complained before them danged miners come in and scared back the game 
the door opened and breck entered well he said we four are all that are left in camp it's forty miles to the stewart by the cut off i broke and the fastest of them can't make the round trip in less than five or six days but it's time you pulled out smoke just the same breck drew his hunting knife across the other's bonds and glanced at the woman i hope you don't object he said with significant politeness if there's going to be any shootin the blind man broke out i wish somebody'd take me to another cabin first go on and don't mind me lucy answered if i ain't good enough to hang a man i ain't good enough to hold him smoke stood up rubbing his wrists where the thongs had impeded the circulation i've got a pack all ready for you breck said ten days grub blankets matches tobacco an axe and a rifle go to it lucy encouraged hit the high places stranger beat it as fast as god'll let you i'm going to have a square meal before i start smoke said and when i start it will be up the mcquestion not down i want you to go along with me breck we're going to search that other bank for the man that really did the killing if you'll listen to me you'll head down for the steward and the yukon breck objected when this gang gets back from my low-grade hydraulic proposition it will be seeing red smoke laughed and shook his head i can't jump this country breck i've got interests here i've got to stay and make good i don't care whether you believe me or not but i've found surprise lake that's where that gold came from besides they took my dogs and i've got to wait to get them back also i know what i'm about there was a man hidden on that bank he came pretty close to emptying his magazine at me half an hour afterward with a big plate of moose steak before him and a big mug of coffee at his lips smoke half started up from his seat he had heard the sounds first lucy threw open the door hello spike hello methody she greeted the two frost-rhymed men who were bending over the burden on their sled we just come down from upper camp one said as the pair staggered into the room with a fur-wrapped object which they handled with exceeding gentleness and this is what we found by the way he's all in i guess put him in the near bunk there lucy said she bent over and pulled back the furs disclosing a face composed principally of large staring black eyes and of skin dark and scabbed by repeated frostbite tightly stretched across the bones if it ain't alonzo she cried you poor starved devil that's the man on the other bank smoke said in an undertone to breck we found it raiding a cache that harding must a made one of the men was explaining he was eatin raw flour and frozen bacon and when we got him he was cryin and squealin like a hog look at him he's all starved and most of him frozen he'll kick at any moment half an hour later when the furs had been drawn over the face of the still form in the bunk smoke turned to lucy if you don't mind mrs peabody i'll have another whack at that steak make it thick and not so well done i'm a meat-eater i am End of chapter five